welcome, welcome to the Created Curious Podcast with your host, Bailey Michael Mullins. And sitting right across from me is the one and only Logan, I forgot your middle name, Hancock. That's right, Logan not, Brian Hancock. Not to get confused with Ham Chop. Yeah, not Ham Chop. <laughs> it's a... Every time I order pizza, they say Logan Ham Chop, and I'm like, that's not it. It's just for, not. For, for people who haven't watched this show before, we basically take you into the not-so-common life of a 21st century Christian that is uh, seeking after truth, and so we really just want to take you along for the journey, and uh, we're going to let you in on our discussion right now, and we're just going to kind of fly by the seat of our pants and just see where the conversation takes us so that's right um yeah let me introduce logan real fast he i, I met you about a year ago maybe a little bit longer You're i'm not half. sure yeah yeah and um you you go to the church i go to but you left for a little bit and now you're back here in, in college station texas i'm back and um and you're a truth seeker yourself, so you don't just take things as it is. You really want to dive into the scriptures and, you know, see what the truth is. And I guess you can, you know, account a lot of most of that. I mean, you can count that to God, but most like but a, a big portion of it, you, you thank our, our good friend and teacher, Josh Hawkins. Yeah. And he's made an incredible impact in both of our lives. And so overall, I would classify you as someone that is really actually after God's truth that wants to seek, okay, what does God actually say or what did Jesus or yeah, God and Jesus and the whole, you know, in, in context of the whole um, unified word of God, the old and the new Testament, when they come mm-hmm. together as one cohesive book, what does that say about how we should live our lives right now as Christ followers? Mm-hmm. And especially as, Gentile Christ followers, right? And so, uh, that is Logan Hancock. So it's me. Well, welcome to the uh, the podcast, brother. It's good to be here, dude. So talk about that move first, and like how that. Oh boy. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I lived in the same city my entire life until I moved to College Station about two years ago, and. I was here for a year. Lower the mic down just a little bit. All right, I will. I can do that for sure. For the video watchers. I want you all to see my face. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I moved to College Station, Texas after living around Houston my entire life. And um, when I did, I just got a completely new friend group, started following Jesus really hard, harder than I ever had um, with all my friends from my new church, you included, and it was killer, man. And... um, you know, I did some school, and then I felt like I wanted to change things up a little bit. I got really, really into the idea that I really wanted to spend my life doing mission work, which mm. I still really, really do. But my idea was, okay, I'm just going to leave this city, go to another one, and hope for the best. And <laughs> I did that out of, like, honestly, looking back on it, there was a lot of blind faith in my move and some interesting just dynamics of that decision but i moved was in dallas area for about six months yeah and then um while i was there i happened to get emt certified it just kind of just kind of happened 
It's yeah. kind of crazy. Wait, can we can we talk about one thing real fast? Yeah. Is it okay for us to mention your age? Because I think that, I mean, it's yeah. super impressive impressive to me is, is how wise and um, how much you are willing to grow as what you know according to your age. Like sure. I just see the progress in a similar way that I had it, but even more so. Sure. And so it's, I, I just think it's fascinating to see such a wise and, and on fire for the Lord Christian at your age. So how old are you? And like, yeah. I mean, so that kind of maybe plays into the lack of planning maybe yeah, a little I, bit going out there. So. <laughs> yeah, I think maturity is the, you know, as I've heard it said before, is the ability to put off pleasure. Mm. And as a guy as young as I am, most of us aren't able to do that, and I'm 19. Um, believe it or not, I am. Take it or leave it. Um, I tend to leave it oftentimes. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I'm 19, and so when I decided to get up and leave college and go to another city on a whim, it just honestly wasn't a good idea. But, as he usually does, God used that little period of my life to do more heart change than I have ever undergone in my life in such a like short amount of time which is truly amazing and it's not it's not you know meant to call that my saving faith these few months because god works in all sorts of ways and he has my entire life just teaching me through different people different things but for me the last few months have just been really crucial because they've helped me you know have a firm foundation of like you know certainty about the things to come um, in regards to our faith, rather than what I had before, which was, you know, I, I'm going to go to this place, hope everything works out, not try to, you know, build a stable income or anything like that. That's a practical need. And I'm just going to hope for the best. And that was kind of lo- like my life model, like just go for it and see what happens. Yeah. And when you apply that to life, usually that doesn't work. And when you apply that to your faith, it works even less. Yeah. Because you need to know you need to know what's coming like you need to you need to follow the lord in a way that's like cohesive and credible like when we look at faith as it's spoken of in the new testament it's often better translated maybe as trust Mm. because we don't believe in a god just because we're told to believe in a god we believe in him yahweh the god of israel and of the gentiles because you know he has a fantastic track record Mm. we can see in history the things that he's done we can see the credibility of um, his walk with the jewish people and even you know jesus among the jewish people which translated into tons and tons and tons of gentiles receiving the holy spirit and when we look at that that's a track record that you can't deny yeah and to me that that became a much better grounding for my faith in the last few months than I feel like yeah. this and I feel like that. Right. When, you know, all of my feelings couldn't ever glorify Jesus because they weren't rooted in, you know, the kingdom yeah. of God as spoken of by Jesus the Messiah. So, so, so a couple of questions. Yeah. Uh, and it's loaded a lot yeah, on you real yeah, fast. First off, <laughs> um, you going there. So what was the most significant? First, what was the most significant thing? that you think you brought away from that season of life of making like rash choices. And then, you know, being in this season of like not really knowing 
or not feeling settled in your life, having this yeah. uneasiness and, and meeting a lot of adversity. And then second off, what were you rooted in before the wh- what you were talking about this uh, yeah. this uh, uh, Maranatha message? What what was before that? Yeah, so I'll start with your first question. The biggest thing that I came away with is to not settle for the first answer, to not mm. settle for, oh, this has to be right because all of my friends think it's right, and that's not a shot at anybody that i know that's a shot at myself for just thinking that i could get away before god but you know get away with you know just receiving things as truth without digging into them like we're holding we're held accountable to what we know Mm. we're held accountable to the god that we know like we're all going to stand before jesus one day and when i left here I was like, I knew that, but I wasn't living in a way that was like, I can say that that is the most important thing to me, you know, so all my decisions are going to be based on that. And so, Mm -hmm. like, the biggest thing that I took away from that season was like, oh, shoot, I need a firm foundation or I'm going to sink, you Mm -hmm. know, like the parable that Jesus gave about, you know, what are you going to build your house on? Is it going to be sand? Is it going to be an awful foundation that, you know, one question from someone who doesn't believe in God can radically shake because you haven't done your research? Yeah. Or is it going to be a solid rock, like the credibility of the God of, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Yeah. Like, you know, what are you, what are you going to do? And so for, I didn't... For me, I always think, when I hear you say that, I think of uh, the, when Paul says, always have uh, a defense for a reason ready or a defense right. ready for the reason why you believe what you believe. Yeah. You know, and That's it's like huge, man. Do, do most, you know, I mean, the topic of this is about cultural Christianity and, yeah. and have you and I become cultural Christians or maybe a bigger question has the American church become culturalized Christians. And what we mean by that is a kind of, a alteration of what the true gospel is sure. and focuses on tradition rather than truth in scripture. Yeah. Um, and so that it plays right into that, you know, and we, we haven't even transitioned into that topic yet. So I think that's fascinating for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then what was your second question? Your second question was, what was I rooted in before? Yeah. yeah so before then, I mean, I kind of already touched on it. I was more rooted in, honestly cultural christianity for lack of better words i was mm. you know like i i had been can you try to define that like what does that yeah. mean so what it looked like for me just tangibly it looked like me you know seeing all of these really fantastic speakers online mm. and then because i liked the way that they spoke i didn't necessarily like the way that or the ideas they presented like based on truth but I liked yeah. the way that they spoke, and the way that they spoke was really, really dang convincing. Mm. And so I just I decided to only listen to those people and not listen to anybody who didn't, who said something contrary to what I wanted to hear. And I think that is predominantly where culture, cultural Christianity finds its root. It's like, what do I desire, you know, in my life, yeah. I, which is always, you know, synchronicity with everybody else around me. Like I want me and all my friends to believe the same thing and I don't I don't want to pose any sort of difference because if I do, yeah. then we're not going to be unified. <laughs> and 
you know, what's funny is 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 the deeper you know the Bible, the 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 easier it is to avoid those type of situations. Mm. And what's so funny about what you just said about finding the teachers that you agreed with, that is straight scripture of like what will happen in right. the last or the the the, the coming times, yeah. right? The uh, what's prophesied about is the uh, the the days ahead or the uh, the I I guess some you could call it in times, but but more uh, more uh, the the last days. This these. Yeah these when when the things of scripture the prophecies start to culminate a lot more and i the specific scripture is what what is it um it's they will refuse there will there's a time that will come where they'll refuse sound doctrine and search for teachers that tell them what they want to hear essentially yeah and so it's funny hearing that come from your mouth and you didn't even know that you were actually kind of prophesied about <laughs> in that way sure yeah prior in the way i you know obviously you have to you can't just you know throw a massive blanket statement on that yeah. because you know you're not going to listen to people that you don't enjoy listening to that just usually mm -hmm. is not going to happen and there's nothing wrong with listening to someone because you enjoy listening to yeah them. i think the issue is People if, have different giftings. You know, yeah, of course. Uh, to me, the way I think of it is, unless I'm willing to hear someone else's counter argument, then I am not walking in faith. Mm. I am walking in denial. Mm. So if I am completely avoiding, you know, someone else's idea that like, oh, I don't know. Just for example, like let's say I work at a hamburger restaurant. And all I think about <laughs> I all the time is hamburgers. And yeah. there's a there's a restaurant across the street that sells mm. hot dogs, and they're like number one in the nation. Mm. And everybody's coming to my place talking about it. They're buying my hamburgers, but they're still talking about the other place. And I could just tune them out and be like, I'm only going to focus on my place. I'm never going to go try the best hot dog in the world <laughs> because I'm only about hamburgers. Like, that becomes our stance when we follow Jesus sometime and we're just just so set on things our way yeah. is like, Oh, I, I can't have any change in my faith mm -hmm. because I'm just so set on this. And I'm so frightened that, you know, that worldview is so just going to be, unless you're vegan, unless you're vegan, of <laughs> course, and you won't go either of those places. Um, but do you get the point? Like that was a really drawn out analogy, but I think you get the point. Like, yeah. When we choose to listen to what we want just because mm. we know that we might be wrong and we don't want to face that, that becomes a really big problem. Well, it's 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 following it's following uh culture versus really seeking understanding. And I, I think it was Paul again. I mean, Paul is a baller, bro. He's a he's the Jew of the Jews, you know what I'm saying? Man, he can choose and yeah. lose. Baller I'll say. Yeah. And and that's what's so exciting about the idea of the age to come. And I know we're bouncing around a little bit, but we'll get we'll get on track. Is like millions of Pauls walking around. I just think that's Yeah, it's going to be sounds tight, fun. Great. Uh, <laughs> but um man, I forgot what I was saying. The Paul thing just Oh, um flip. Yeah, I forgot. Right. Something Paul said. Something Paul said. So so continue. So you, you you went to Dallas. I went to Dallas. You kind of were into this, like trying to 
seek signs constantly from God, trying to interpret your thoughts as like God's will for your life constantly, trying sure. to like just feel your way into understanding who Jesus was, you know, right. as we've seen many get trapped in that that yeah. idea of thinking. Not saying that God doesn't speak to people now. I think he does. It's not what we're saying. Not saying God doesn't, you know, heal people now. I think he does. Yeah, I agree. But 100%. when we don't align the scriptures, the divine word of God says in the beginning uh, uh, was the word and God was the word. Jesus was the word. Mm. And so when we speak the word and when we read the word, we get more and more of that truth into our hearts, into our nefesh, or our being, mm. right? I'm using these terms. Uh, <laughs> I need to, de- we need to define those. But uh, um, when you get away from, like, you're like, oh, well, you know, I, I just actually had a conversation the other day talking to a friend. And it really concerned me. I, I just ran into him at, um, at Chipotle, and he had it recently left. Um, the church he was at, or our, our church, he recently left, and you could tell kind of had some bitterness there, and sure. um, was kind of involved in this uh, certain page that was used to like uh, bash the church, and you know, not everything about the church we go to is correct. Not everything sure. is perfect. And it will never be that way the, no matter what church the, you go to. Yeah, but the response is is not biblical either. Right. You know, th- bashing and all this stuff, revealing right. to people what has gone wrong is one thing, but whenever you do it in, in such a way that is trying to tear down something, it's, it doesn't seem like the biblical response. Right. Um, but... I had a very big concern because he was saying, well, you know, the, the Bible's been translated so many times, and how can we how can we apply what people were saying in the first century church uh, to America? We're just different, so we need to form the Bible around our culture now. Mm. And I was just talking to him, like, no, man, like, dude, we need to be centered in the truths of the Bible. The truth of the Bible don't change. Yes, understand that the biblical authors were writing these things to specific people groups. So yeah, not everything applies for all people of all time right. in spe- in the specific way, yeah. but the truths embedded in that do. And um, yeah, I just, I see this like devaluing of the word of God and study of the scripture and understanding the scripture in the current church it's almost like we want the scripture as medicine, like, oh, it's my daily reading, so I align my heart right, so my my day feels good, yep. so I feel good. And so you were in this place of, like, really juggling that, yep. really juggling, like, man, I'm trying to find my wife based upon signs in the air. I'm trying to fi- get God to tell me my career, whether I should go left or right. right. And where did you go from there? What What made that mindset shift and what mindset set did you adopt yeah for sure and you know first of all let me preface before i go any further when we speak about these things this is not at all a bash session Mm. at all this is just two guys talking about how they are going to apply the scriptures to their own lives and what we think you know what we think a wise course of action could be because you know like different things happen to different people in a way where they're convinced of different things. And 
if you if you follow yeah. Jesus in a way where you're just I don't know, just angry at the world mm-hmm. because nobody's perfect, that yeah. That's not following Jesus, man. Yeah, and on top of that, it's um we like I prefaced in the beginning of this, this is a podcast where we take you on our journey of discovery. We're both young people. Yeah. I'm sure. twenty three, you're nineteen, like we're young, we're not elders, like we're not pastors. No. We don't have this yes, we can pastor people, right? But we're not an official like we didn't go through seminary, you know, yet, right? right? Um and, and so we don't have everything figured out, but We're every trying. believer, every part part of the church body, every member is supposed to seek understanding yes. always because we are we are responsible for our own faith. We are yeah. responsible for understanding the truth that has been given to us in the word of God. Like we have been given this Bible and for all intents and purposes, we have no excuse not to seek understanding. You know, yeah. we have excu- we have excuse to not be perfect, but we have no excuse not to seek the Lord and receive yeah. that that grace from Him and receive that that understanding. And so this is just like like you said, two people trying to go on this journey of like, oh, we're seeing some things that may not be the truth. Yeah. And we want to talk about it. You know, yeah. it's not like, ma- you know, make your own decisions, of course. But right. we're just going to sit here and have this conversation. Y'all can listen in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There it is. And, you know, to answer your question, for me, where did I go from there? I mean, it, a lot of things oftentimes are a slow process. But what I feel like I continue to come to is like, okay. Jesus was very clear in the fact that we need to be slow to speak. And more than anything in my life lately, that is what I've been learning, man, Mm -hmm. is that I need to be super slow to speak. I need to be so quick to listen. And I'm trying to do that with everybody, man. Like I'm trying to do that with my friends like you, trying to do that with my family. I'm trying to do that with my girlfriend, (laughs) which she's the best. Oh my gosh, I already miss her so much. Um, shout out. But I'm just learning so much yeah. to be slow to speak. And so that was one of the biggest things is God is just, you know, in the last few months, just open my eyes to be like, Logan, hey, you don't have it all together. You mm. don't oftentimes know what you're talking about. You're a Gentile and you're 2,000 years away from my first coming. You've got you've got some mess. And so yeah, yeah. that's what I realized first is that, okay, just take a breather not everything has to be figured out tomorrow Mm. in fact we're going to spend our whole life and i'm convinced the rest of eternity getting to see new sides of the lord jesus we're going to get to see you know like oh my gosh you're that good oh my gosh you do that too you were there in this for me like ah like just freaking out over his goodness and i'm convinced of that and that's the case you know we have we have to be slow like we can't just rush into everything, make really quick decisions based based our, you know, questions and our answers on the things that just happen around us. And so mm. what I where I kind of landed after all of that was like, okay, I'm gonna be slow to speak. I'm not I really don't want to say anything that's upsetting to people if I'm not warranted to say that. Like if I if I don't know everything, I wanna be a listener. And um but how I've applied that is just, okay, Father, like there are things that happen around me 
there are things that like I know are spiritual, but we know we are very sure that the enemy loves, loves, loves to deceive. And, mm. you know, that's that's one thing that we have to discuss and we have to be OK with talking about unless we are living in deception, because the point of deception is for people to not know mm. the truth. And so mm. for me, I like instead of going so quickly trying to make all my decisions so fast and based on things that weren't concrete and weren't scripture i slowed down i looked at the scriptures and i i realized i was like oh shoot the things that i was banking on like for my faith like the healings and um you know the voice of god and all these things like they happen dude like they freaking mm -hmm. happen and they happen all the time like god is still moving he's not a dead god he's healing all the time He's like, he's inviting himself into people's situations and their lives are being flipped upside down. But at the same time, if we aren't slow to speak in those scenarios and if we aren't a listener and if we aren't a Berean, a seeker of truth, as we see in Acts, like we can get in ourselves into some real mess really fast because yeah. Satan wants to screw up our life. He wants to get us confused and he wants to convince us that everything spiritual has to be from God or our faith is, you mm. know, a fake. And so I just realized, OK, I need to slow down, not do anything rash, but just look at the person in front of me, look at my situation and think, OK, how can I make the best decision without one driving myself crazy? Because mm. God doesn't want us to be insane like when he gives wisdom in the scriptures, it's almost always practical. Like it's, you know, like he's not trying to make our lives ridiculously hard. Like we, we are supposed to lay down our lives and like, you know, bear the cross every single day. And what that means is we lay ourselves aside and seek the greater good of the kingdom of God. Mm. And, um, you know, in that we have to give up things, but at the same time, we were given really clear instructions for how our lives should look. Sure. And so when we try to complicate that, oftentimes that can lead us into mayhem. Yeah. One, one thing I wanted to note was, uh, or, or just talk about and break down was, uh, you know, it, it says the, the greatest commandments or Jesus said the greatest commandments are to, to love God and love others. And, and we know, um, based upon the scriptures that love is patient, right? And that's what so you're talking patient, about man. is those patients. So, how did you start to see or be more convicted or affected by the way that you affected the people closest to you and around you in yeah. that season? Yeah, man. I think I'm still learning that for sure. But one thing that was just so cool to me was I, I think I might have been back in town um, sometime when I wasn't living here just to like visit my girlfriend and I was getting a haircut and the guy who was giving me a haircut, I love him to death, our buddy Josh. And I, I was just kind of talking to him. I was like, man, I'm just so confused. My faith was built on things that weren't solid. I wasn't looking at the scriptures. I wasn't, I wasn't loving Jesus the way he was asking us to love him. Mm. I don't know what to do. Everything I've done feels just like, like a mistake. And he was, I was talking to him and I was like, man, I, I stopped doing this. I stopped going to this church up here and everything. And he, 
told me at one point he was like look dude when i knew you were leaving and i saw the reasons you were leaving college station i started praying for you and i was like no <laughs> no 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 <laughs> like oh yeah. like everything just made sense you know like it it made sense that god was reconvincing me of his goodness mm. by by things that i could like actually put my hope in you know because if you if you heal somebody and which god does it all the time but if you heal somebody and you tell them jesus loves you and that's all you tell them mm. they don't have any foundation right and that's where i was man like i was i was healed in a way like i i knew who jesus was i knew that i desired him mm. i knew that i wanted to make him smile yeah but i didn't get much more than that yeah. you know and so you know, so funny. i was listening to teaching today actually about that and about like how we should handle prophecy in the church and like mm. what is the biblical way to do that right because sure. you got some churches that are like don't do it at all which is in the unbiblical and then you have some churches that fake it and which is also unbiblical yeah. you know we don't want to be faking stuff and we want to follow this the scripture and 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 walk into the giftings in which god has given us and it was funny he said hey if you prophesy over someone and someone random that you get a word of like a word of prophecy for get their number <laughs> and follow up with them sure and see if it came true because like if you don't get their number and follow up with it, you never know if it comes true. And then you go around and you're like, Oh, I have a gift of prophecy and you're just telling <laughs> people random stuff. Sure. When you're never following up and see if it actually came true. And yeah. I think that's a big part of it is that follow up. We almost get so caught up in the mission and we forget the relational aspect of what we're supposed to do with the people around us. Mm. Yeah, man. Relationship is huge. If you look at the Bible, almost every big thing that happens no every big thing that happens in the bible is somehow intertwined in really important relationships mm. like every single time man and a lot of time it has to do with family like if you sure. look at the entire torah if you look at the entire span of the prophets and the wisdom literature family is a huge thing bro mm. because god chose like singularly chose family yeah by which he wanted the world to be redeemed well if we call each other the members of the body they're essentially yeah. family right. with us and when we say oh he's family that's implying that he has a more significance to me you yeah. know he has more i i i have to worry about that person more mm. because it's family like i have priority over that person and we we call each other brothers and sisters in christ and then we throw them under the bus yep you know it's like we need to start taking that seriously. Like your family, yeah, man, I, I, I need to be mindful about what I do and say to you because actually God sees you as pretty significant. Right. And so he sees how I damage you, man, that's, I, you know, that's the father in heaven, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And that, that goes back to the cultural Christianity thing, man. Mm. Let's, let's hop into that. Yeah. It, well, we can bounce into it from what yeah. you just said, because like when we look at what normally happens in a church mm. and this, like we said earlier, this isn't to bash anybody, but this is like, this is constructive. Like if we don't talk about these things, we aren't loving. Like 
Man, the reason yeah. Jesus said almost everything that he said was because it needed to be said. And like, mm. if we don't live a life like that, man, who are we? Like, we don't love the person in front of us. And so, you know, when it comes to loving the people in front of us, like for real, like our family and the messianic community, for lack of better words, like, dude, it's crucial. And we don't do that enough in quote unquote cultural Christianity. What it usually mm. turns out as is like, hey, bro, how you doing? Doing good. All right. See ya. Like you said the other day, what we usually do is we walk into a building, sit down, listen to a guy, stand up, sing really loud, sit down, listen to a guy, mm. stand up and leave. Mm. Let's not pass over that either. That's let's, not family. Let's stop. Let's stop there. And, and break that down a little sure. bit. Just I because I, I've just I the Lord has just been revealing to me more and more the irony of it. Yeah. And just how weird it is, this thing that we call church. The thing that we we call like the gathering of the people, the body of Christ. When we're really thinking about a building, let's be honest sure. here. But it's not a building. Yeah. It's the gathering of the people. And so, like you said, we walk in and especially now with the whole covid thing we don't hug anybody we don't say anything we're like we get aisled in we sit down for a second or worship music's on and we start worshiping <laughs> you know looking not, at everybody not around saying us. singing's bad but <laughs> this is something that actually fai just went over was uh that it's you know, technically, it's not the singing that's the worship. Yeah. It's your life that's the worship. Yeah, man. And the singing is just a expression of what your life is screaming out already, yeah. you know, the way you're living. But it's, the mo- it's so much more beautiful, too. Yeah. We but. sing songs. We sit down, listen to someone talk, and then we leave. Like, in and out, one day a week. And most of the time, we don't see those people outside of that one day. Yeah. Especially now. Yeah. And, um... You know, What's wrong with that? Tell me, Logan. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> is there something wrong with that at all? In my opinion, <laughs> based on what I've come to learn, yeah. Like, if that's what we leave it at, yes. Like, I'm not saying mm. at all that church, like the building of church, is a bad thing. That's the last thing I'm saying. Yeah. You know how many people we're bringing into the kingdom sure. by buildings? Dude, it's crazy. <laughs> so, we're going to keep them. But at the same time, if that's all we do, if we leave it at that, there's something so wrong, man. Mm. Like God, you know, when he makes a covenant with a believer, like upon salvation, he seals them with the Holy Spirit, that they would continue to walk filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. Not as someone who would walk away from him. And then in that case, it's like, dude, what are you doing? But like, you know, when we step into that with God, we step into a family, right? And we step into a family to where we are supposed to love those around us really well. We don't always like all of our family, and that's totally chill. But we have to love them. Mm. We have to treat them kindly. We have to respect them. We have to fight for their walk with Jesus, man. Because if we're not, that's not love. Because honestly, that's the only thing that matters. If we're saying things and if we're wanting to express things that don't prepare somebody for the day of judgment, we're wasting our time. Like everything we say, every conversation that we have mm. should be in some way or essence and like art pretty much pointing someone to the beauty that is to, like that is to become mm. like Jesus. One day he will reign on the earth 
and he will judge the living and the dead. Two things we know that will happen. Yeah. And if that's the case, if I'm not living in a way and having conversations with you, Bailey, in a way that points you to that and points you to long for that day more, one. Yeah. To respect that day more, two. I'm not loving you. And mm. just showing up to the same building, to the same guy, to the same people play music every week alongside you but not speaking to you, mm. dude, that's not loving you. That's not pointing you to love God more. That's mm. not pointing you to revere the day of the Lord more. Yeah, and definitely not speaking about hard stuff. You're right. Usually eschatology, which for yeah. people that don't know that term, the study of the end times. Yeah. which is That's tough to talk about with some people because they're afraid of it. So my question to you is like, why, like, I hear you and I believe that, but why is it important to focus on that? Why is it important to tell that message to people instead of just, hey, you know, Jesus came and died for Davy for your sins. Now, now you're good. Yeah. You're, you're like, you got your ticket. Yeah. You know, you can you do, live your life, you know. Why is it so important to lead people or have the conversations and 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 seek that that ultimate end that ultimate uh restoration time period that that thing that's been talked about in scriptures why is it important to focus on that and is you know and get dive deep into the teachings of that why is that important yeah and i i think this is this is where we start to walk away from cultural christianity Mm. just personally um and I like the way you said it, the ticket analogy. Mm. Like, the cross is our ticket. Like, it's, if we look at the broader span of scriptures, not just looking at the New Testament, the New Testament's packed with this. But if you just look at the New Testament, you forget the reason why the New Testament had to happen in the first place. Like, if you look at from Genesis all yeah. the way to Malachi, stop for a second and think, oh, shoot, what, it, like, what is this really communicating? What it's communicating is that there's going to be a reigning of God again here Mm. and things will be restored and there is a Messiah that's coming. Mm. But why would the Messiah come if all he's going to do is forgive people, right? And when we look at like what heaven is spoken or how heaven is spoken about in the scriptures, it's never talked about as being a place where you sit on the cloud (laughs) and you play a harp. Man, that, that... that's so wrong. Like, that's yeah. not true. It's way better than that. We look at all of Scripture, and it points to a specific day where Jesus, the Messiah, the promised Messiah, will be back here. And not only that, he's going to judge the living and the dead, like we spoke of earlier. And this place is getting restored, man. Like, this is, and that's way bigger. Like, if you think about it, like, let's use our brains for a second here, yeah. not our feelings. Let's use our brains. Facts don't care about our feelings. <laughs> like, seriously, to quote Ben Shapiro, it's so <laughs> true. Like, if we look at the scriptures, the facts that are presented is that that day is so much more, like, all-inclusive mm. than the one day of the cross. But that's, that's not good. to say that the cross is not important. We can't have that day without the cross. Like, they're so connected, it's stupid. And so if we, if we look at the cross without looking at the day of judgment, we have no need for the cross mm. because we have no need for forgiveness because we're not going to be judged, right? Yeah. But if we look at the day of judgment without the cross, we're not forgiven and we're not in the age to come. And mm. so the, the huge thing that we need to really just encourage each other with and be family under is the fact that Jesus, the one that we love so much for dying on the cross, 
and by our belief and faith and continual walking out with him, we receive salvation. Mm. You know, if, if that's the Jesus we're looking at, we have to remember and encourage each other that that same Jesus is actually going to be back here. Mm. And that day is going to shake history more than the cross has ever shaked. In history. person. He's going to be person. back here in yeah. person. Dude, it's not, it's not ethereal. It's not like hyper spiritual. It's not like, you know, Jesus is reigning from Jerusalem now. Like, no, 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 no. Mm. Like, dude, he's at the right hand of God right now. And he's awaiting a day where he'll be back here. Like it, it it's huge, man. Yeah. Like we don't, I didn't, really think about that or talk about that enough until i got it knocked into me that like the scriptures are speaking of a day that's way more important or i won't say important but like way more inclusive mm. i guess like all of humanity will be shaken yeah. by that day and what's crazy is when you see that you can't unsee it yeah and then you see that all of the biblical authors it's all a do this in light of the coming age. Yeah. Live in light of this. It's not sig so significant on this age, this current life, right? Yeah. Um, and then you, you mentioned the Old Testament. And I, what I think is funny is many times we, we get raised thinking, oh, well, read the Old Testament. That's some crazy stuff, man. There's some Bonkers. murder in there. <laughs> God's a wrathful God in the Old Testament. God's not a wrathful God now. What? <laughs> in the New Testament, he's good, you know. And it's like, what's funny is when you really dive into the scriptures, what you're seeing is you're saved in the same way in the Old Testament as you're saved in the New Testament mm. by faith. Mm. By faith. Yeah. Faith, breaking it down into the Hebrew, right? Faith to count as trustworthy. Boom. To count God as trustworthy. If you count God as trustworthy, a better word would be trust. Mm. Rather than, because when we think of faith, cultural Christianity will tell us faith is a blind belief in someone or something that we can't see. And dude, that is such a problem. Because when we start telling people that they have to blindly believe in a God 2,000 years ago and or blindly believe that a guy right now is sitting at the right hand of the father god like seems a little cold seems a little crazy right <laughs> but the thing is is like but it's historical yeah but when you use the word trust mm. you know you start to think like okay maybe it's not about blindly believing something but it's about counting somebody and their actual actions that were like actually credibly recorded you know, like that to me, that just makes way more sense. And because we we believe in God based on his track record, not based on, you know, Aunt Sally down the street telling us, <laughs> if you don't believe this, you're going to hell. Like, that's yeah. why Aunt Sally is never credible to any of, you know, her nieces and nephews is because all she tells them is you're going to hell. Yeah. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. And they none of them believe in hell because no one told them <laughs> that there is like accurate information for them to read to enjoy and to learn from that would tell them like hey this jesus that you're hearing about man the the records of this guy are way more just um total and credible than anybody else from that far back in history yeah. and so like if that's the case man you got to give this guy some thought sure like you have to at least consider and what he's saying an atheist will tell you that mm-hmm 
atheists, atheist historians will tell you the credibility yeah. of the life of Jesus. Right. What I think is crazy is how often scripture is misquoted, misquoted and like misunderstood, but yeah. like because of tradition, right? Because of culture, because of what someone told someone to think of it. And then they just say one scripture outside of context. And it's like so many times in the Bible, you need the whole chapter. Dude, it's <laughs> crucial. It's so crucial, man. And that was one thing that tripped me up the biggest is I was like, I was taking just wacky verses from the Old Testament, which are like extremely important if read in context. But I was taking them and being like, slap, just slap it on my forehead. And I read this at this time. So that means I have to. I don't know, move to this country where it's like, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. The author did not have that in mind when he was writing yeah, this. He yeah. was not thinking a Gentile 3,000 years from now is going to read this and know that he has to go there. Like, man, we got to be really careful before yeah. we start taking verses out of context. Like you take, oh my gosh, what is it? Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, for I know the plans I have for you. That one. Yeah. You take that out of context and dude, that becomes... Like such a big, you know, billboard verse that churches will use to just drag people in mm. to more bad theology, <laughs> you know, because that verse has nothing to do with us. You know, like if you look at it, prosperity gospel. Yeah, like it, it didn't have to do with me. It, it was written to a specific people at a different time. Mm. But when we say that, what we don't mean is you can't read it, learn yeah. from it and learn about the God of Israel, Yahweh, Jesus, the Messiah like you. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is we have to read them in context the way the author wanted us to read them. And then after we read it that way, we think, okay, what did this person who knew what they were talking yeah. about oftentimes, what did they think about God when they were writing this? I love the analogy of like if I wrote you a letter Dude. and your friend Joe picks up the letter at your house a week later. I wrote this, like, since I actually have a letter from you from before me? you left. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And uh, I think forgot maybe one that. on my birthday, too. You, you sent me two. Or, I don't know. You, I one forgot, sticky note. One. But they're still meaningful. Yeah. So even though I forgot, they're still meaningful. No, yeah. I could go grab it and read it right now. They, they were super meaningful. So let's use that for analogy. You sent, you, before you left, you, you wrote me a, a heartfelt letter about uh, what my friendship with you meant and like how you I've made an effect on your life and very honoring just positive not necessarily just positive but just real and and encouraging things right and let's say our our good boy Jared that was going to come to this podcast but didn't love Jared by the way comes in and picks up love Jared uh picks up this this note from Logan to me Bailey Mullins and he starts reading, and he's like, wow, can't believe Logan feels this way about me. Like, I didn't even do these things. But right. he's like, what the? He thinks I did. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> thinks I did for some reason. No, you would never think that. You'd be like, oh, wow, like, look at what Logan wrote to Bailey. Wait, what does this say about his character? Yep. What does this say about the truths in which Logan walks in? What does this say about... If I were to have a friendship with him. Yeah. You know, like exactly. that's the biggest takeaway, I think, is like, okay, if we're going to read these scriptures that, you know, if we're looking at the Old Testament specifically, mm. most of them are written in the context of to the Jewish nation, mm. which still has re- 
ridiculous relevance right now. If you don't believe that, go read Romans 11. Like if you if yeah. you if you take those Paul, Paul literally like Paul literally differentiates it for us right there. Yeah. He just he he says it really plainly. Yeah. And this is after Jesus. Yeah. Crazy. But okay, you know, <laughs> we can get on that in a little yeah. bit. But um if we look at the Old Testament and we see okay, these weren't written to Americans 2000 years later. They had an address. Oh, they Jared, were Jared said what's up. Oh boy. Um, but, um, you know, they were going somewhere. They were specifically going to somebody, right? And so if we think about it that way and we read them and we're like, okay, the God that they're speaking of sounds so incredible. What would it be like if I had a relationship with that God? Mm. That's what we should be thinking. And not only that, but we should be reading them and seeing the patterns, um, that they're displaying that like, okay, there will be a day when the Messiah comes and reigns on the earth. That's still applicable to us because it hasn't happened quite yet. Mm-hmm. Jesus hasn't, you know, like he, of course, he, all authority. And, w- was, and tell me, why do, why do we want that? Dude. Like, why do we want that? Explain. I'm oh, excited man. about it, but like, why do we want Jesus, the Messiah, to return to the earth and establish his, his government in a sure. real physical way? Like, as if... You know, like the government, you know, now, but Jesus's government and rule and reign on the earth. Why do we want that? Like, why is that? A, why is that better than just like dying in our soul? I'm putting this in quotations for those listening in the audio. Soul just floats up to some other dimension. Just some harp that's waiting yeah, for us. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Dude. <laughs> well, it's just so much better. Tell me like, why. Tell me why. Okay. Well. <laughs> Jesus is great at governing, first of all. He's fantastic. His father invented it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, my goodness, how much better can you get than that, first of all? But the point is, when he judges the living and the dead, the wicked will be no more. Mm. That That's scary for the wicked. But for the righteous, that is incredible. Because the wicked are the people who keep on doing wicked things, you know? <laughs> and as followers of Jesus, we bank on him as the one who will like judge us based on our walk with him. And for those who don't actually want to follow him, who just want his grace and just want, you know, the good things that he has to offer by like, you know, for instance, taking all of the really cool promises in Isaiah that were actually not meant for Gentiles most of the time, Mm. taking all those cool promises, slapping them on my chest and saying, hoorah, God's going to give me a great life. Ignoring all of the curses that were actually meant for the Jewish nation too. Like if we just do that and we want only the good things from Jesus and we don't walk in any sort of obedience, who are we to say that we're going to be judged rightly on that day? Well, like that's, that's and my s- question is why would we want to have that small little slice anyway? When we know it, it says like literally, so I think there, I was listening to this day. I wish I could just throw scripture right from my brain, but it's literally talking about the apostles talking and like who would be who would be the greatest, right? Not mm. who was the greatest, but who would be the greatest. And they're all just chatting with all the disciples of Jesus, chatting with each other. And shut up, Peter, you Je- talk too much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jesus walks up to them. And he's, they're like, he's like, hey, what are y'all talking about? Like, I'm, I'm completely, like, you need to go read the scriptures to really get the full thing out of it. So I'm not trying to quote it, but 
like essentially he goes what are y'all talking about none of them wanted to say anything <laughs> because they're being prideful they're like oh. sure. but they're not talking about who was the greatest then they're talking about who would be the greatest in the age to come mm. when after jesus like restores the earth yeah. to the garden right sure. restores the earth to paradise right and then jesus proceeds to say the 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 verse of like the the least among you will be the greatest he's saying what he's saying is the people that serve that just lay their like life down for like children's ministry to take care of a baby in the nursery and sees that as just as significant as someone standing on the pulpit mm. talking now not saying don't follow your giftings your giftings are important if you're right. a good speaker if you're called to teach teach people right but um to say that there's any it, that one's better than the other is completely wrong and that's what he's saying is like the least among is going to be the greatest in the kingdom the people that literally laid down their lives now that didn't care so much about all the things in this life didn't want to you know take the the uh blue pill in the matrix mm. is it the blue pill or the red pill it's a pill, man. Yeah, one of I know them that. to kind of go back in the matrix and just ignore the truths and realities of life and say, hey, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to put God aside for a while. And then right when I get to the end, I'll like pray a prayer and like accept mm. it so I can get in. Yeah. And it's like, let's say you get in. Do you want to be known as the least for eternity? Mm. You know, or are you okay with being known for the least at, you know, for 70 years? When, on that note, dude, it was, oh gosh, it was so cool. I heard Dalton Thomas from FAI, really fantastic ministry. If you haven't checked them out, please, please do. Frontier Alliance International, they do great things for the kingdom of God. They love Jesus in a way that just stands out. Mm. And, uh, some of their teaching has just radically changed my life. And um, so, yeah, one thing that Dalton Thomas from FAI said was he was like, some of the people that we look at in life now who we don't think are very important, we don't think that they're having a huge impact on the world, they might be shining lights in the age to come. Mm. They might be just ridiculously rewarded for what they did here. And the people that we think are so high and mighty who like are doing so much and are just like, oh, he's such a great speaker. He's reaching so many people. If they're doing it for the wrong reasons, they might be the dullest of all of them in the age to come, which is like that makes us as people who want to, instead of just going with the flow of cultural Christianity, for people who want to know truth, right? Like we have to look at questions like that and really think about them and not just put them off to the side for like a later date like you were speaking of. Like that yeah. was one thing when I was a kid. I remember being at a, a church camp when I was in maybe fourth grade. Yeah. I was talking to somebody. I was like, <laughs> man, this Christian stuff is weird. All y'all are singing all this stuff. I'm here, but like You were honest, kissing all the girls. I know. I know no, I was not doing that. <laughs> no. Um, but what I told this person was I was like, you know, screw it for now. One day I'm just going to. Before I die, I think I'm going to say a prayer really fast, and then I'll go to heaven so I can do whatever I want in this life. And, dude, looking back on that, I praise God that I didn't keep going with that. Yeah. Because people do. Like, that is yeah. 
that is scary, man. And when you get yourself in that mindset, which is oftentimes, like, if we're being completely honest, a lot of people in the cultural Christian church, this isn't to take shots at people, but this is to call them to righteousness. Mm. A lot of us still do that. Mm. And, dude, that's so dangerous. Like, just saying a prayer now and saying, oh, Jesus, come into my heart, and then refusing to obey him, faith without works is dead, man. Mm. Dead faith is useless. You know, like that. That's so scary. That's a really frightening place well, to put is it yourself. Real? In. That's a really good question. And to me, like that's not a question worth bargaining with. Like yeah. if you're not willing to follow Jesus, based on what you know, like we're we're held accountable to what we know. Yeah. And if that's true, we have to like take these questions seriously. We can't just put and, them off. And to clarify, though, it's not works that gets you eternal life. Right. That is a big clarifying thing. It's never works. It never was works that gets you there. Like doing enough stuff to, to you know, oh, I, may, I, I stacked up enough points to get sure. into the kingdom. Right. The kingdom to come, right? That's it's why. It's not what it is, but it, it Jesus speaks of these are fruits of my followers. Mm. The people that follow me, they do these things. They seek understanding. They love each other. They um, seek after me and who I am. And it's like, the question is, do we know who he is? Yeah. Um, I, I do want you to touch on, because I think we kind of glossed over it, but I, I want to know, like, I'm, I'm a random guy on the street, right? I don't know who Jesus is. I, I've heard about him. Talk, I mean, I'm in America, so I've heard about him talk. I've heard people talk about him. I, I know he was a person, but. You know, I, I'm just, you know, I just want to live my life, you know, the life I have right now, just doing what I want. Yeah. Why is the kingdom of God that is to come here on earth significant to me? Why is it enticing? Yeah, man. So for me, the way I usually see, like, you know, the question isn't about, is not about evangelism, but it kind of has to do with it. So I'll mention it. The way I usually see evangelism done best here in the West is by building relationship so you can show people your fruits while you tell them the gospel. Mm -hmm. So like inviting people into your life instead of doing, you know, what I used to do all the time, which was like just tell people that Jesus loves them and that then that makes them think they're secure and yeah. that they're going to inherit eternal life because Jesus loves them. Well, even saying that is not preaching the gospel. Yeah, that's not the like, gospel, man. I think we, but I do think there's a place for like telling people the message of the gospel. Right, 100%. Like, a lot. Yeah. Like we should be walking, living that message. Like, hey, why are you so happy, man? Well, I'm super excited about like the fact that I have a God that is trustworthy and he's going to yeah. do what he has always said he's going to do. Right. And then I'm potentially going to be able to explore all of the cosmos for eternity and pureness of relationship with all of the people I love. That's the best news. <laughs> yeah. And that to answer your question, pretty much what you just said, like right. the reason why anyone, any given person who plans to put their faith in Jesus should be excited about the things to come is because, I mean, to me, I think about it like this. God had a desire in the garden. His desire was not for man to fall. In my eyes, like, you know, why would he have told them not to do something if he desired them to do something else? Like, mm. it just didn't really make sense to me. 
So like when I think of the garden, I think, okay, God gave man a command to act a certain way. And if he did act that certain way, we would have seen the earth multiply and filled with goodness. Like it would have been so much easier to do life on earth without death and without, you know, you know, perishable sickness and like th stuff like that. Like it, yeah. it would have not happened and wickedness would have not taken over the way it has. And to me, when I think of the age to come, I think about it as kind of like a reversion back to the garden. But now the earth is multiplied mm. like the people of God have flourished. And so like when I think about that, I'm like, you know, mm. what what else do we want? Like everybody, everybody always talks about, oh, we want world peace. We want world peace. We want everybody to be accepted and all this stuff. It's only going to happen if there is a righteous government in place. Yeah. But an unsanctified government can't be righteous. And yeah. so the fact that Jesus will be that ruler, all of wickedness will be left behind. He will be the supreme leader. He will be the one which we, you know, we lift up our eyes to, you know, God, the father has this in mind. Like this is going to be incredible. And, you know, even for all loving, all just ruler. Right. And it's going to be fantastic, man, because. If God made it up, the one who created our desires for friendship, for relationship, for good things, who are we to say that he won't be yeah. the best one at providing that for us? Yeah. I, I want to touch on what you said. And I don't know how much I agree. I agree to a certain extent. And I just don't know, right? There's some things, some mysteries that are not going to be revealed to us until right. Jesus returns. We he's glorified and we are glorified along with him. We get our glorified bodies and we, you know, potentially get new understanding of stuff and his mysteries are revealed. Um, I, I assume that all of God's mysteries will be revealed over the Maybe. days to come. Maybe there's an unlimited amount, right? Which is probably the case. Which would knowing God. still be just as cool. But, uh, you know, I, I've thought about this whole scenario because I've listened to a lot of Christian apolo apologists. I've listened to, you know, both sides of of all different, you know, doctrinal beliefs on, on this idea of, of what happened in the garden and w whether God knew it was going to happen or not. Yeah. And if God's all-knowing, then how did it, he not? Yeah. It's you really... Know, yeah, I think God yeah. made a hard choice. I think he made a hard choice because he loves us a lot. And I think that choice was the only choice he ultimately could make in his nature, right? If mm. God was going to go against his nature, which, you know, debatably he can't or yeah. he won't because he's divinely the source of all life and all of, then he had to give his people, his creation, choice. Yeah, I agree with that. He had to give them choice. In order for it to be loved. Because if there's no choice, they're just put here and they're forced to love God. They don't have any choice out. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was their choice. Yeah. Was their choice yeah. to choose other than God. And so maybe he knew, maybe he didn't. But ultimately, the way I see it is that them taking of the fruit unleashed the ability for us to choose God or choose not God mm. and our life is about that choice right we get 
exactly what we choose. Yeah. We do. If we choose to not love God and we choose, hey, we don't want God, then we'll get it. We'll get exactly what we want. To me, that's how I think about health. It's like you chose all of your life to not desire God. Mm. It's what you wanted. Yeah. God's going to give that to you. Because he loves Perpetually. you that much. Because like, he loves you that much. It's, a, it's an ex- expression of love. It's like this creation itself is an expression of love, but that specific choice is an expression of love. Like, it's hard for people to understand, but he, he allows that to happen because he loved the world so much. Mm. And that's why he gave us Jesus so we could have that new choice, right? So we could have that new covering, that ability to make that choice. We don't have to receive the grace of Jesus through trusting in him, trusting that he will do what he said, but like God loves us enough to give us the choice to not choose him, mm. which is hard for people to recognize because if they, he didn't do that, then we're a robot. He doesn't be like us. a chair. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I mean, I, I trust that this chair is going to do what I <laughs> want it to, but that's only because I bought it for that case. And you it know? can't it, not do that. Right. So, I mean, to me, to me, I, that's a really big discussion I hear a lot of times. But in reality, in my opinion, it never really reaps any fruit to right. continue to talk about it. Like it, to me, because you, some people are going to completely disagree with you that God had no idea Adam was going to sin. Right. And some people are like, oh, yes, he did. This is where this whole <laughs> thing's been going. And to me, I'm like, you know, okay. Like, yeah. and P- Paul actually talks about that. That's those, those un, really kind of unimportant aspects yeah like not essential aspects to why we should be coming together unified like if that argument is going to divide uh the body of christ we don't, just don't have that it. argument yeah but if you can have it in a conversation in such a way where it unifies you then yeah but i, I think this is something fai has been talking about is being unified under the right thing right because we just choose something random out of the bible like Oh, you you and I both believe that we should eat kosher as Gentiles, and oh, that's that's how we're gonna oh, let's unify a church based upon that. You know, we're unified under yeah. the wrong thing. It's just you, uh, pointless unity. Yeah, but we need to be unified under this this bigger message that has been yeah. you know preached since Genesis. Yeah, and that to me, I think, is. You know, if we look at what we're calling cultural Christianity, right? If we look at that, I think if you boil it down far enough, it comes to inappropriate unity. Mm. Like, for instance, I was talking to a buddy the other day, and we were talking about how oftentimes the broader church gets all hyped up and all, quote-unquote, unified on revival. Mm. And, you know, everybody says, like, revival, revival, revival. Like, let's make it happen. We're going to make this spark all across the world. I refuse anything but revival. Right. And, it like, to me, you go so far down that hole and, like, you know, every Christian in their right mind desires for the earth and people on the earth to be revived, right? Yeah. But the moment that you start describing what revival means, you get 
people who completely disagree with you really fast. Mm. And the way he put it was like, let's let's make revival food as an example. Mm. Like I can talk to you about food so much. And we can both be like, oh, my gosh, we both love food more than anything else. We got <laughs> talk to someone else like you like food. He's like, yeah, I like food, dude. Come over here. Hang out yeah, with us. Yeah. Food, food, food. Same thing with revival. Like you like revival. We like revival. And then. Let's say you start talking about what you think revival is, and it involves like all of the world coming to know Jesus, and then he comes back. Mm. And then I start talking about it, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Jesus is going to come back and judge. And then we're both like, wait a minute, that's not at all what I believe. And then we divide. And at that point, nobody's willing to have a good enough yeah. conversation about what the scriptures are actually saying. And so we have this really false unity and then everybody starts going the same direction. And what we end up saying is Jesus loves you so much mm. and we're going to unify under the fact that Jesus loves you. But then that turns into a bunch of people living unsanctified lives mm. who aren't being changed by the scriptures. They're just unified under the wrong thing. And we call that cultural Christianity mm. like that. Because it never leads to sanctification, which is really what Jesus desires for us while, we on the, while we're on the earth, is that we would become people who desire what he desires and settle for nothing less, right? And, you know, if, if we're not willing to talk about, you know, what he actually desires, which is not that everybody would know that some guy named Jesus loves them, <laughs> but that they would turn because he loves them. Mm. Like, if we don't talk about that, then we're not <laughs> loving, we're not being family, we're not being the Messianic community, rather than just calling it the church. Like, messi Messianic community is what it's actually supposed to be called. Like, if we if we just the talk about community unified out around the Messiah. Yeah. yeah. Our Messiah, too. Like, as Gentiles, we have gotten to claim him as our own, which is, right. like, huge, man. Right. Ah, yeah, I, well, I you, you mentioned something. I think this stems from the idea or the command of the Great Commission, right? Sure. It, it says, uh, you know, just reach all nations, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them the way they should go, right? We get that from Matthew. And so it's this kind of idea that's been planted in our mind, like, Oh well, we like once all the nations are reached, then we'll come, right? We've been told that, right? And Jesus said, said that, right? Mm. Once all the nation, nations are reached, but it's not a causative thing. It's not that we reach all the nations and the end will come. Something I, I want to ask you is: Can we talk about? Can you and I talk about tribulation right now? Ooh, and maybe maybe the causative effect of people coming to jesus because of tribulation yeah i mean oftentimes we end up you know if we if we just take to like the broader western perspective which is basically the left behind series where it's mm. like a bunch of people start disappearing and then the tribulation happens <laughs> which is like what like hold on let's look at the scriptures and think about you know maybe that's maybe that's not the case and we could go on and on and on and on about this for a really long time. But, like, let's just, let's think about it, though. Like, if tribulation starts happening on the earth because we're unrighteous, because we 
have gone the wrong way because we're on the wrong side of history because of what we have done as mm. humans. If that happens and the only way to escape it is to look to the one who's asking you to live a righteous life, which really isn't, it isn't all that hard. It just is because we don't want to. Mm. Right. And so like, if that's the way things go, bad things start happening on the earth. The only one who can fix it is the God who wants the best for you. People are going to start turning to that God who wants the best for them. Yeah. Like it's just going to happen. And it's not something that as Christians, we should be frightened of because we know him. We love him and we desire him above all else. And if that's the case, then like, okay, we're already on the right side of history. Our job now is when hard things do come, whether or not you believe tribulation happens before or after the rapture, we don't have to need, we don't need to get into that. But regardless, the rapture, what's the rapture? Another conversation. <laughs> but regardless of what you think, our job as people who delight in Jesus now is to point more people who are struggling, who are in their own personal tribulations yeah, to him because yeah. he's the only one who can fix them. He's yeah. the only one who can desire them. Right. Yeah. And so like, yeah, I mean, to me that that's the way I see it. I think no matter what you think about the tribulation, post trib, pre trib, all this stuff, <laughs> like, well, I, I do want to, I want to, note that for a second this isn't a, a a whether the rapture exists or not podcast but i do want to note one thing is when in the scriptures have you ever seen people carrying their cross for jesus not suffer for jesus mm, you're right look at all of the people who are closest to jesus here on earth bro they got they got messed up they got smacked bro and 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 so uh, we had another podcast about this but i actually removed it because it came off of this place of uh this pastor coming into a coffee shop i was at and just trying to slap me around about this with his doctrine and and i came from a bitter place and so that's why i removed that yeah but we kind of actually talk about it and it and this may be you know new to you and i would challenge you to go look at the scriptures and really see what they're saying i've done a lot of research on the trip but there Ton of it. yeah but there, it. <laughs> there is but to put it and i'm, I'm gonna end the conversation here on this topic like because i want you to look for it yourself but long story short there's no such thing as a rapture like i mean so uh, okay there's the word rapture is not the word rapture is not in the scriptures at all well and there's like, no let's be clear like about that. christians aren't just going to disappear from earth like jesus is coming to earth oh that's not what i'm talking so, about i'm not talking about you know dipping out completely going to your heart that's not what i'm yeah. talking about i i think the rapture discussion is another podcast but because yeah. i mean fai has put out a bunch of fantastic things talking about you know their stance is we will be radiant and ready not raptured and removed yeah which is like oh man if you if you hear what they go into it it's yeah. just really cool well, to listen but to. besides that point right besides like explaining that which we would point you to fai for that go they're better up, communicators yeah, go, on that than we go are go look that actual video up or or go find that podcast that they have um 
But the point we're trying to make is that this activation of tribulation that comes from the Antichrist coming and committing an abominable act that causes desolation of Israel and the surrounding nations. And then we enter into this time of tribulation that we've known about and that we're scared to read about and yeah. study as cultural Christians, right? Um, is a significant reason why people will come to know the Lord in the end and the Great Commission will be fulfilled. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it is like, to me, like, oh gosh, this is... And we're not experts. We're We're not not experts. experts. (laughs) Hey, we're just two guys having a conversation. Welcome. (laughs) Um, But the way I see it is like, if all the Christians just get dipped out before bad things start happening on the earth, who in the world is going to tell the non-believers right. to come to Jesus? Like, <laughs> are they just going to, like, read the Bible on the street and be like, uh, and, then, and then they disappear too or what? Like, what are you, what are you thinking? That, that's my opinion on it. I don't, to me, I don't want to, I don't want to dive too deep into that because, like, yeah. I care about people's hearts enough sure. to know that there, there are discrepancies on that issue. And I, yeah. to me, like, regardless of where you stand, I know where I stand. But regardless of where you stand, whether you think the tribulation happens with all of us on the earth, or if you think we're just going to wait in the clouds for a little bit while the earth gets tortured, like (laughs) wherever you think, to me, it doesn't matter because whatever happens, you know, you're calling, you know, that as a father of Jesus, whenever trouble comes, whatever, whether it's considered a tribulation or not, you're called to endure, you're called to endure and you're called to share the gospel. Mm. I don't think to me the the application of either or honestly doesn't matter to me. So you did it a little bit at the beginning of the episode, but could you maybe give me your idea or rundown if you were going to share the gospel with me? Yeah. What is the gospel? Yeah. You know, this gospel we talked about, is it a specific moment that already happened is it, you know, wh- what is the gospel to you? Yeah. The gospel of the kingdom. Yeah, man. I like the way you said it. Gospel of the kingdom. So this is, you know, if we're talking about cultural Christianity, this is the biggest point. This mm. is this is the deciding factor, whether you want to go with the flow or not. <laughs> and um, we don't want to. We don't want to just do things because everybody else is doing them. That's called peer pressure. Um what we want to do is we want to be Bereans and we want to look at the scriptures and say, okay, what are they saying? How can I apply them, you know, righteously and then do that? And so regarding sharing the gospel, preferably if I have time to, I like to be able to share it over time, kind of like I described before. But there are moments where you only have a few seconds to talk to people. You only have a few seconds to like, share the gospel with you know maybe someone on an airplane for example and in those cases i you know you have to start with the historicity of the scriptures like they aren't just books that were all written at one time and slapped together and called a chapter book called the bible no Mm -hmm. no 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 no. they are a group of letters they are a group of documents they are a group of writings writings put together in a way that makes sense and they're you know, like we, 
you know, you can look at like the canon of scripture and agree or disagree with it. I have my own opinions on it. I don't agree with everybody on what they have to say. So you don't you don't necessarily have to take the canon of scripture and say that whole book is holy in order to know the truth and have the truth set you free. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about whether you believe in the canon of scripture that happened within a few centuries after Jesus. That's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about, hey, can I believe this guy, Jesus? Can I believe what was said about him? And can I believe what he said was coming? And that's that's what we have to communicate with people first is like, okay, if we look at scriptures from the Bible and not from the Bible, oftentimes they the ones that are like actually historically viable and not just like bozos writing random stories in the forest. Like if we look at ones that like actual actually record, you know, good verifiable events and we read those, we see a lot of them will point to a man who is coming a God man who is coming, who will reign. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we see that and we see, you know, that that man is also spoken of as someone who will suffer. And we see there is a fall in the beginning of man where we messed up. We already know we're messed up. That point's easy to get across. We also see like God choosing a people to call his, namely the Jewish Israelite people. Like we, we have to call them out if we aren't talking about the role of the Jewish people. We aren't talking about the kingdom of God. Romans 11, back to that, it's just not happening. And so we know that there is a man, a God-man, promised to save this nation. And we know that he came. Based on historical, viable evidence, we know that he came. And his life painted a picture to the Jewish people about what they should be focused on. He didn't really speak much to Gentiles in that time. He didn't really talk to us. He wasn't talking to Americans. Most of what he was saying was directed to people who had a really good background, knowing about the rest of you know the Torah mm. and the prophets and the other holy writings. And so when we look at his words, we have to see those things in perspective or we're just going to miss it. We're going to think that he's telling us as Gentiles that we have to... <laughs> tithe to the right. Levitical, you know, right. all that, all that kind of stuff. And not the Levitical, Levitical priests, the temple is different back then. That we have to keep the whole law in the same way. The right. People that's, did. that's the point I was trying to get at. But so we, we know all of those things, but we have to look at, okay, what did he think was coming? Cause he was obviously right. He was the guy that was prophesied about over and over and over again. We know he was right. What did he think was coming? What did his closest followers who didn't go crazy think was coming? Because mm. we have some, you know, weirdos who say they follow Jesus in the first and second century and right after Jesus. And we know they were wrong because they were told they were wrong by people back then. It, you know, peer pressure can get you to do weird things. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, you got to think the gospel was introduced to areas very early on that were heavily influenced by really pagan practices. And so it gets twisted really easily. But mm. if we look back to the most accurate things, mo well, most accurate writings and accounts, we see that this man came and he knew something was coming and his closest followers knew something was coming. Mm. And they definitely were more focused on that day than anything else that happened in the past you know, individually, everything else that happened in the past in their eyes was pointing to that day that the Messiah who already came will come again and he will reign. Mm. And when I share the gospel with anybody, that's the point I want to hammer down is that like, 
It's not about how you feel right now. You can be saved and feel awful. Because, mm. I mean, people get saved in the worst of countries. Yeah. They can physically feel awful because you're not guaranteed health. You're not guaranteed. Um, I mean, you see that in the China, the church in China right, right now. It is crazy what's going yeah. on there. If, if you are listening to this and you don't know what's going on, I would recommend uh the voice of martyrs they have a little radio show on youtube uh it just really opened my eyes like 80 percent of the church right now in china is completely destroyed now like they've removed 80 percent of the christian church that that were officially in china now what has happened was they kind of moved back to the all reliable the first century church model Yep. of gathering in people's homes, right, and being distributed. No, no, uh, no mega church. Yeah, exactly. And um, but it's crazy uh, what's happening there right now. And there's plenty of people that love Jesus that are getting tortured. Yep. That are uh, torture doesn't feel things. good. Yeah. So. Yeah, man. I mean, if we look at things like that, we have to realize that we aren't promised fun mm. in this life. We aren't promised. That God will heal all of our diseases right now. We aren't promised that God will give us little direction in every area of our life. That's not to say he can't heal. That's not to say he can't direct. That's the last thing we're saying. We will not put a limit on what the Holy Spirit of God can do. But he wants us to be our own being. Mm -hmm. He wants us to be cognizant and choose him. He gave us brains for a reason. Yeah. Because, like, imagine if he was telling us, right or left, okay, right or left, right or left. Yes, no. Yes, no. Like, that wouldn't be a... It's the robot thing you're talking about. It's like what you were saying before before we started this. You were talking about uh, ministering to God. Mm. How do we minister to God? Well, it's by loving Him. By, like, showing Him that we care so much for Him that we're going to follow Him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the first... When you look at the epistles by Paul... You don't see him writing, you know, all these people, hey, make sure that y'all are in tune with your inner man, your inner spirit. Make sure y'all are in tune with, you know, X, Y, and Z voices in your head. Like, he he wasn't saying things like that. He was directing people to the day of the Lord. He was directing Mm -hmm. people how to operate in accordance with that day. He didn't say, hey, make sure that grandma's healed. Because, you know, you know she can't die, right? Like, God's <laughs> promised her healing. Well, that's you the know? craziest thing, especially in corona right now. We have so many people so scared. And I was talking to my Uncle Tim that was a, a missionary in, in Sri Lanka, printing Bibles. in He's different. A stud. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you've met him. Yeah. Yeah, him Good and Aunt, Aunt Sharon. Uh, printing Bibles and doing ministry in place where Christianity is illegal. Yeah. You know, like in different places. They've been to several places. And um, where, where where people tried to kill them for doing this, right? For one, if you try to, if someone tries to murder you for, like, spreading something that's good, like, usually that means you're kind of up to something, especially if it's the gospel. If it's, yeah. Like, th- it means you may be doing something right. Like, yeah. if, if they're trying to silence you so much because you're saying something that just the the demons in them just like want to come out you know yeah most likely um <laughs> but 
I was talking to him, and he was just like, he was like, people I've known for 40 years and our friends that were in my church, like, are hiding in their houses, not telling anybody about Jesus right now because they're afraid of dying. From coronavirus. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, (laughs) he, he was like, don't they know that that to live is Christ and to die is to gain. It's huge, man. To being a martyr, right? That's an honorable thing. There's now, no higher. I'm not place. saying go try to jump off a bridge, you right? Know, like, ah, martyr. That's just <laughs> you know. You lack wisdom there, buddy. Yeah, but uh, but it does say that like martyrs, people that die in the name of Jesus for Jesus, doing the will of God will be very greatly honored in the age to come, which is crazy, which that's why I think it's so funny that we're so scared of dying when we're all going to die. Right. It's just (laughs) a matter of how long you put it off. Yeah. (laughs) We've gotten really good at putting it off. (laughs) But the one thing, other thing to know is like, if we're all going to die, right, that's, you know, that's important to know, like, and not be afraid of that. But the why we're not afraid is because God has promised and he's kept every single one of his promises thus far. So why do we think he's not going to keep this one? Right. That he will raise us from the dead. Yep. That we will die one day, but he will raise us from the dead. Yeah. And if somehow we make it to when he comes back and we don't die, then, pff, man, we... got. I mean, you probably <laughs> went through a lot of hard stuff before that endured. happened. <laughs> yeah, man, I... That... You know, if, if our topic today is cultural Christianity, we have to ask the question, are cultural Christians, which we, we were like, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think you and I, yeah, and a lot of our friends now are coming to a place where it's like, okay, shoot, we got to buckle down. This whole thing's real. We can't keep just thinking Jesus loves us. End of story. Like there's, there's more to this. There's yeah. man. Hard things are coming whether we like it or not. And just the phrase Jesus loves you and has a great plan for your life has no practical, you know, adherence with help. Well, and ignoring the fact that hard things are going to come does not help. Right. Yeah. We there is there anything in the Bible that says ignore the the coming age, the day of the Lord? No. Actually, which was so funny. It's like it's a command to read and understand specifically the prophecies of Daniel, yeah, which is like the base root for a lot. Of, there's a lot of prophecy in the Bible, but that specifically is is a big chunk that tells us how to prepare our hearts and for what is to come. And it's like ignoring that is de- deliberately. I mean, right? Some people don't know that, but like if you know that, we're commanded to understand and study that, and you deliberately. Say, nah, I'm gonna ignore it because it makes me feel better now. Yeah, you're deliberately disobeying God's command. Yeah, you know, it's just like, mm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. That you know, if we as Christians aren't willing, like I said earlier, I believe if we aren't willing to hear the hard things and reckon with them, we're not living by trust. Mm. We're living in denial, and that that's what we want. That's what we have to call our brothers and sisters to, man, is to walk away from denial, walk away from ignoring sound logic because Mm. God isn't a God of making you believe things that are just crazy. Like everything he says has warrant to it. Like there's 
there's a reason why he said it won and there's a reason it makes sense too like he's not just doing things to confuse humanity <laughs> like the reason Jesus is coming back to judge the living and the dead is because it has to happen God does not desire at all to coexist with things that you know are about like in opposition with him so judgment has to happen yeah one way or another one way or another and we've if we ignore that we're ignoring god yeah and like we have to reckon with that we have to reckon with the fact that like martyrdom is huge and important that's not to say you better go out and be a martyr at that point you're just <laughs> being stupid but if we're afraid of it we're not we're not reckoning with the fact that his grace is sufficient that his grace is enough and that the obedience he called us to is one under a cross like under our cross he told us to carry our cross he told his disciples to carry our cross but that command to them should be applied to us because why would it be any different like yeah we're followers of jesus just as they are in that way like we are not supposed to you know bear burdens only for this lifetime like literally lay down your life lay down your life is not your own you know when th when we accept when we accept Jesus when we begin to follow Jesus when we invite Jesus in and we believe and trust in him our life begins or our life in that moment and, and for here on out is our 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 own body is not our own anymore we can't just decide what to do with it yeah and that's why like many times you know I'm not like shaming these people whatsoever but a lot of times some people don't take priority in taking care of their body even though they like say they're on fire for the lord yeah. and then continue to damage the body and neglect themselves and it's like man that's not even your body to do that yeah that's not even your body to do that everything we do has to has to have care you know like that not like Oh, you better have self-care. Go get manicures and all this <laughs> stuff because your body's important. It's the temple of God. Make it pretty. My dad got a pedicure. Oh, boy. <laughs> I know. Oh, boy. He goes to the tanning bed, too. Oh, what man. What a dude. I knew he was pretty cool, but I didn't know he was that cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. No, but, you know, my point is, is like every everything we do, every action we take, like I said earlier, every word I say to you as my brother. Yeah. If I am neglecting the importance of the day of the Lord in my speech by telling you things that, one, you either don't need to hear, mm. two, shouldn't hear, or three, is like making you less sanctified because it's, you know, perverting your mind by making mm. you think things that you shouldn't be thinking. Mm. If I'm doing either of those three things, I am sinning against you and I need to repent to God and I need to change my ways. And I think that's the same way with our actions. Like if I'm saying things that I shouldn't to my friends or like acting in ways to them that aren't sanctifying, I need to stop. And like, that's where we have to draw back and say like, okay, is this, is this what my culture is teaching me? Is like, mm. is this what I'm learning from all the hot shot preachers on the internet? Like, am I learning that I need to take the day of the Lord seriously and change my way of life because if I don't, I'll be judged. Or am I hearing, hey, do what you want. There's grace. Mm. You know, you'll be all right. Just don't make any huge mistakes. Like, you know, 
who are we to say what a huge mistake is? Like we need to we need to slow down and be slow to speak and be attentive to the scriptures and apply them correctly. Mm. 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 Cultural Christianity. Does it exist? Does it exist? Survey says maybe. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay, so something I kind of want to break into because I I think this is what I was intending to talk about to begin with, but I mean, our conversation has been so good and we've been covering a lot of significant cool things, so it's like whatever, but so what are some of the things, you know, in the western church and the american church that you're seeing right now that maybe aren't specifically counter gospel but are of it's a value to speak about because they could eventually be somewhat dangerous or move people in the wrong direction or or not fully be secure enough to get us through hard times yeah so when i speak about things like this i like to preface like kind of like i said before but a little differently like i i don't i never want to speak out of malice right to say you're wrong and i'm right and the reason that i'm okay with speaking about these things on the podcast is because you and i are just having a conversation about what we see and what what in the world we can do to sanctify god's green earth you know well yeah and, here and, and lead people to like taking a step back and saying hey what is my walk like yeah like what are we doing here does the bible say to do this and let's discover that let's talk about that here let's we have, have a call let's not be afraid to go against the grain a little bit right yeah and we we have to talk about things with humility because you and i know we're both still learning we're so messed up that like yeah. we <laughs> we have to be so patient with each other and with everybody that we know but in regards to that i think you know i mean almost everybody in their right mind knows it the moment that you start prioritizing what God gives rather than God, you go down a rabbit hole that you don't want to go down. Mm. Like when you start prioritizing healing versus the healer, you mm. start going into weird stuff, man. And we see it all the time, like where people, you know, think they have to do all sorts of weird. I mean, honestly, headed toward cultish activity in order for someone to get yeah. healed. Like just like praying really weird prayers. About Redding, California. Right? No, I'm sorry. I'm not speaking <laughs> about anybody in particular. But hey, I, that's just an area of the earth. Sure, there are good churches there too. The Watch Redding. If you have heard of the Watch Redding, it's a fantastic church. Um, and I love Bethel, man. Like, if if I'm being completely honest, I love Bethel. I love a lot of the things that they've done. Yeah. But 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 with anybody man we have to really consider what is god thinking about this like yeah well and it's 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 not just bethel either so it's everywhere let's let's try to stay you know i i made that joke and it's funny but whatever let's try to hone in on like what the culture like of american church and the really the charismatic movement specifically but other church i mean you get you have all different types of stuff but you know, let's maybe try to hone in on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, 
Anything tied with healing and money is always prosperity gospel. Everybody in their right mind knows that's wrong. We don't have to discuss that one. But, you know. What about the thing we talked about, like, going into the building? Like, obviously, I think it's fine for churches to own buildings. Right. Right? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But do you think we can call it church, us walking in, singing worship songs, listening to someone talk on a podium, and leaving? Like, is that church? Well, so when I read the letters of Paul, I read out of the complete Jewish Bible version a lot of times, not because I'm Jewish, not because I think Gentiles have to be Jewish. I just think oftentimes it puts things in better wording, like in context of the Old Testament than other versions. So I read that. But one thing I really like about what they do is instead of church sometimes, they simplify it by saying messianic community like I did earlier. Mm. And, you know, even when it's when you hear the word synagogue in the New Testament, it's not necessarily talking about a, like it's not necessarily like a temple. Mm. The word synagogue, if I'm not mistaken, just means gathering place. Mm. And so, you know, when I when I think about, OK, what is the messianic community supposed to look like? Obviously, we know like Acts 2 where it talks about they're sharing all their possessions and all this stuff, which a lot of churches that meet in buildings do perfectly well at, which is great. I've seen it even in our church here, and I love our church here. I love running with my friends from our church here. And, you know, you're never going to completely agree with anybody on anything. So you run with who you're running with and you stick with those people. Unless you know that it's best for y'all to part. In that case, it's like, you know, do it in a sanctified way. Sure. But to me, like what a church should look like is people doing life with each other. And that's that's what I've found predominantly here in College Station is I can do life alongside you. I can do life alongside so many other friends where I just, I learned to love Jesus in legitimate family. And not in anywhere where we go to listen to someone speak and then leave. Like to me, I honestly haven't really ever learned much at all from listening to a pastor speak. That sounds really bad, but like if I'm being completely honest, I cannot remember nearly anything except for like a few sermons, all really on the great commission that I've heard like from a stage that have like actually wrecked my life really where I've found the most fruit is like really tight knit community mm. where we have sat down and we have discussed the scriptures together one-on-one. I've got to hear what you have to say and why you think that way. Oh shoot. That makes a lot of sense. Oh shoot. I see you living that out. Wow. Okay. I need you to tell me more like that. To so, me, that's where it so, should go down. Yeah. So my question is why can't that happen at the building that we call the church building? Like, why does that not happen? You know, it happens a lot of times in homes. It happens a lot of times at the park or a coffee shop. But why doesn't it happen at the church building? And can it and should it, you know? like. I mean, (laughs) to me, I mean, if you have a building, use it. Like, that's my first thought. I think most of the time... Again, we're not here to throw shots, but most of the time it turns into a kind of like a money game. Mm. Like if we're being completely honest, like when you look at tithing in the word of like in the scriptures, tithing 
if I'm not mistaken, was set in place to offer the Levites, you know, resources so that they could keep on doing what they're doing in the temple. We don't have Levites now. In fact, we're not even Jewish people. Yeah. In fact, we're Gentiles 2,000 years later, and we don't need to pay one guy to teach us the Bible. In fact, we can learn everything he learned by reading the Bible ourselves. And so I'm not saying that but it's... But we are called the giving. We are called the giving, exactly. Yes. It, to me, that's way more important. But we're not commanded to tithe. We're not commanded to tithe. To me, what I think is, is like, I'm not here to tell anybody that being a paid pastor is wrong. Personally, I know that I'm never going to do it just because I don't feel right taking money from people for teaching them what they can learn themselves. Like, yeah. to me, that's just, in my opinion, not the right way to go about things. But if you do and you have sanctified reasons for it, I'm not going to yell at you. I, I support you. I want people to be yeah. sanctified well, I th- I by your a, words. I think there's a place for, like, people... Um, supporting other people to do ministry work I mean, well yeah sure yeah i think so i mean i to me i just personally i have a conviction where like i'm not gonna receive money for doing the work of god unless it's offered to me like to me that like even for mission work my conviction from my life is i'm not going to fundraise for what i can earn myself to go help other people like the work of my own hands, I want that to be what I'm giving to other people. Now, if I'm going somewhere for mission work and someone's like, dude, I hear you're going somewhere for mission work. I want to support you. In that case, it's like, well, yeah. like, And you can. And that's me, a personal conviction of you. Right. That, that's a personal conviction. I don't care what other people do. I just know that like, the service that I offer to God, I want to offer it in the purest of offerings as possible. And to me, that's what that looks like. But in regards to like, can church happen? you know, the way it should in the building? I mean, I think so. I think, like, if you do it correctly, just treat it like a synagogue. Just yeah. treat it like a meeting place. And What do you think it would take? I think it would take people trying to shove more events into the church and not lock it down at night. Mm. You know, to me, I'm like, if you have a building and you want it to be the church... 24 hours. I mean... Why isn't it like that already? It belongs to the people that, like... I don't know. I mean, of course, you know, you need security and all that. Like, if we think practically now, it's really not viable because we've got a lot of weirdos doing weird things. I, I don't I'm know. Sure, I, I'm <laughs> sure you could get... She could get away with it if I'm you know sure what you're you doing. Could, well, I'm sure you could get people to serve there at different times. I mean, obviously, maybe 24 hours might not be the best way because people yeah. need to sleep. Like, maybe you should, you know... Uh, encourage people to sleep. Yeah, I mean, unless you have a ton of firefighters, you know, like what are you doing at two in the morning? Oh, that's not a bad idea. Oh, that is a good idea. Partner with the fire department. Not bad. But no, like, like you know, one thing that really I don't know if you were here yet, but um, one thing that really kind of made me upset is we used to do Sunday mornings, and then we used to do college rally at night on yeah. Wednesdays, and. It was like at 7.30 or something like that. Yeah. And that really felt like this unifying thing. Like most of the time we're in there worshiping the music, but there's nothing wrong with that. I, I do agree with you. I think we c- it could be more of a gathering place Yeah, where we just go and like spend time with each other and walk life with each other and have conversations. Because do you right now feel like, you know, in – 
the American church that there is a avenue, you know, I guess every church is different, but have you felt from your own experience that there's an avenue for conversation? Is there an avenue for discussion? Is there an avenue for, you know, being a part of this like directional decision making process? And if there is, if there isn't, where do you think we should go with that and how can we make that a thing? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the best place for conversation, typically, unless it's like, you know, like this, where we're, we're just having a one on one conversation, and we're like, hey, if you want to listen, go ahead. Yeah, you know, stuff like this, like tight, whatever, you know, take everything with a grain of salt. But you know, when it comes to whoever has the pulpit gets the first word. To me, that becomes oh, like, no, I'm not talking about that at all. No, no, that that's not what I mean. I, I'm getting somewhere. Okay, okay, cool. Um, to me, I think the issue, though, is oftentimes if I want to have an avenue to, for conversation, the only way I can really like tell people what I'm thinking is if I do it with my friends, of course. Yeah. And with people that I have legitimate connections with, um, you know, to have like a broad audience to like get people to listen and like hopefully change their minds about things. You know, there, we have great platforms for that now. I think. I think, though, oftentimes the best way to go about change is life on life. Mm. The people closest to you. Yeah, the people closest to you. Like, the best way to make disciples is by doing life with somebody. Like, if you look at the disciple-rabbi relationship that was in Jesus' day, these guys were doing life with each other. It wasn't like, hey, come listen to me one Sunday yeah. out of a week. It was like, no, I'm going to do life with you, and I'm going to I'm gonna let you see how I operate in front of the scriptures that I'm trying to teach you about. And I think, you know, we have that avenue. We just have to take it, man. So where do you think teaching falls in all of that? Like similar to what we do at at Josh's house. I think, you know, what we see really clearly, which this is not talked about enough. I don't think we see really clearly that those teaching will be judged based on their teaching Mm. and more harshly. And dude, that that's why I give preface after preface in this conversation is because like, yeah, I'm trying to tell people like, hey, this is what I think. Don't listen to me if it's wrong. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, do your own research. But for like to read hold, some books, read bro. some books, man. <laughs> read the Bible, dude. That's come on. But <laughs> yes, if you. If you do it rightly, like if you like you said earlier, if you have the gift of teaching and you by God know what you're talking about when it comes to the scriptures and you have the avenue to do it like people who will listen but people who know that you're a human then yeah teach like you shouldn't just leave people in the dust but I think at the same time it always comes with like hey I just want to show you what I know and if we're being honest we are 2,000 years away from the first coming of Jesus, there's a lot of room to have things get messed up in what we say and how we act and what we do in in accordance with these scriptures. And I think we have to, you know, be balanced and think, you know, analytically about like, okay, let's just be honest about how I don't know everything. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what I think I know. Critique me, please, if I'm wrong. Like, I think teachers, especially now, have to be far more humble than ever. We have, Mm. in my opinion... I was way too confident in a lot of the things I used to say when I used to like lead certain events and things. 
I was saying things that weren't from the Bible and declaring them as if they were straight from God's mouth, mm. which looking back on is like, oh my gosh, God, please have mercy on me. That was not the best move. And um, well, that's something I would I would love to see more is like at the end of a sermon, like pastors opening up to a Q and A session. Yeah, like question and answer. Why not ask a question? Maybe you have an answer. Maybe you don't. Yep. But be honest. Like, hey, personally, I don't really know that. Yep. You know, uh, I, I was listening to this teaching, actually, the same one about prophecy. And if, if you take the, that out of context, you um, you don't see that underneath it actually says that two or three should prophesy and then the rest should judge. Yeah. And like m- make sure that they're saying what they're saying is true. Yeah. Like in the like, cause you, and we've taken that part out of it. Like you can't tell someone their prophecy was wrong. Yeah. But that's actually what the Bible says to do. Sit back and like, man, I'm, bro. Pull pull Logan aside, like Logan, bro. I don't, I don't know, know about that. that, man. Like, are you sure about that? You know. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I I think you told her you loved her in prophecy. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, I to me, I just think. The more that we are slow to speak, and I've said this like five times and I'll keep saying it because to me that in our day and age, what I've learned from my short, brisk little life is to be as slow to speak as you can. And I've talked really fast in this podcast and I regret some of the things that I've said, (laughs) but I think that like, what do you regret? I'm not, it's over now, (laughs) but you know, the slower we are to speak, the quicker we are to understand. The quicker we are to listen to people, to have coherent disagreements, because you can disagree with someone and just blast off the dumbest thing that you've ever said. Yeah. And, dude, it's just not worth it, man. Yeah. Like, I'd rather be quiet and right than loud and wrong. Yeah. You know? That's good, That's good bro. That's good, bro. So, uh, I guess kind of wrapping this thing up. Um, Cultural Christianity. Well, if if you could, um, if you could make, let's say, three suggestions to the w- like Western cultural church right now, to uh, in a particular direction, what would be three suggestions be? Maybe. It's a, an actual uh, change or, or a uh, mindset shift or w- whatever it is or uh, three suggestions. W- what do you think those three things would be? Yeah, man. Um, first of all, read the Old Testament mm. and did keep reading it. So, so would you say maybe like okay, so read it as read it as the church body. What about teach the Old Testament? Yeah. And the understandings as well. Is that, do you think that's wrapped up into that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you, I mean, think about how pastors usually come to the conclusions on what they're going to teach. Usually it's just what's on their mind, unless they're in some sort of series or something. Mm. And, you know, if you wrap up your head in the Old Testament, man, you're going to talk about it. Mm. Like, because when you read, you know, like Daniel and Isaiah, you see. Crazy, crazy, crazy prophetic things that are still to come. And the reason we know they're still to come is because Jesus retweeted it when he was on the earth. 
He literally said the same exact thing, and he said it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So we know they're still coming, right? And so, like, well, and Jesus and the apostles quoted the Old Testament, like, all no the other. Time. They understood. They knew it. They grew up with it. Yeah, man. And if they grew up with it, and if their life was based on it, I think that needs to happen to us. Mm. So to me, that's number one. Okay. I mean, number two and three. Honestly, I don't have anything super profound other than. Be slow to speak and like really quick to listen and mm. not rash with how you follow Jesus, man. Because if you're rash with it, you can get yourself in some real pain real fast. And judgment takes a lot longer than avoiding something, you know? Yeah. Like to be judged based on your actions on the earth. Dude, <laughs> avoid it with all you can. <laughs> like if you, yeah. I'm not saying don't talk about Jesus because you might get something wrong. I'm just saying like, when you talk about them, one, have mercy on yourself because you're not always going to be right. So, I mean, there's that. But at the same time, like, be careful. Don't don't say anything to piss people off because that happens all the time and it's never useful. And if you wouldn't, like, if what you're saying isn't pointing someone to the day of the Lord and if it's not helpful for that, if all it's doing is creating unnecessary division, stop yeah and we need to we need to be able to differentiate between unnecessary division and necessary division because there definitely is like i am not going to agree with someone right that the gospel is about health and wealth <laughs> it's not yeah but i mean obviously be smart read the old testament preach what it preaches because it preaches the same thing that the new testament teaches exact same thing just remember that if you're not a Jew, you're not a Jew. And if you are a Gentile, you're a Gentile. <laughs> yeah. Number I mean, th- number three, I, th- I would say number three is wrapped up in there. Be okay. slow to speak and, you know, read the Old Testament. Yeah. Can, right. can I tell you, can I tell you mine? Yeah, do it. These are just like practical ones. So mine's mine are a little different, which those are both practical. I mean, read the Old Testament, practical and be slow to speak. But um, I would say number one, gather more. Mm. Just to gather. That's three. That's three for me then. <laughs> Number three for Logan. Yeah, just to gather. Just for gathering's sake. Yeah. But gather under the name of Jesus, right? Gather for the purpose of being the body. Like, per partake in the Lord's Supper. Like, share meals together. Be around the table. Fellowship with each other. Grow to know each other. Gather for the sake of gathering. Don't gather to only have to build a program or or sing some songs, or do this. Nothing's wrong with singing songs. Nothing wrong with giving teachings or preaching. But when that's all it is, it gets pretty weak. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's what I would say for the first one. The second one would be... Um, yeah, the, the second one would be maybe... Um, seek out people that are gifted with teaching in the church church body and giving them opportunity to teach. Yeah. And I think I'll tie in with that one, the Q and a thing like yeah. give people of the church body opportunity to ask questions. Yeah. And don't be afraid when yeah. they ask questions. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Don't uh, kick them out when they ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> and then number three. Yeah. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. Uh, number three, <laughs> I'd say teach more. 
Yeah. Teach, actual teach, not just like New Testament, feel good, kind of like the easy stuff. Stay in stuff. our church. Yeah. <laughs> but like teach eschatology. Yeah. Teach, walk through Genesis more than like one second. <laughs> Have <laughs> people who disagree <laughs> talk about their disagreements. Mm. If you don't talk about them, you're not like, like. So how would that take place? I mean, I think I would think like honestly, in what medium? What medium? If you have, if you are like a lead pastor and you do find yourself preaching from the stage, obviously encourage people to talk about their disagreements. And um, you know, if if you can readily recognize that you disagree with somebody i think honestly just do it one-on-one yeah you know there might be room for like if we're gonna treat the church as like like a a gathering place rather Mm -hmm. than a building where we just go on sundays and wednesdays yeah well then in that case well yeah probably do it there you know like have discussions on it well one idea i had and i was talking to our our, uh, kids pastor our children's pastor garrett cole about this he's on a old episode way back um, probably a good good chunk of time ago i think it was maybe maybe been last summer um yeah i think it was actually um i get on such little rabbit holes anyway uh an idea i had because like sometimes pastors don't have enough time like what if everybody disagreed then like yeah. sitting through like 100 conversation 100 Ugh. hours no hour. one would come yeah don't really have time for that. But I thought of this, creating some type of group of volunteers within the church, maybe elders or, or maybe the elders do this, or maybe uh, just anybody does this that wants to serve in this way, but set up um, times each week for Zoom calls, record the Zoom calls, have pe- like allow people to come in and schedule times for it, come express you know their concerns or their you know encouragements about a particular belief message or direction of the church have each one of those each week broke down and transcribed into text and then those people that are serving in that way break them down into basically a a memo that they give to the pastor Mm. a one-page memo where they can read through it real fast and and get the the main points from their concern sure yeah i think think that'd be be fun yeah yeah I mean, to me, like I said earlier, if you're not willing to take criticism for what you believe in standing for, you don't have faith. Like, you don't you don't actually trust. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the time. I mean, sometimes there are some circumstances where it's like, oh, I just can't take any more opposition. I know I'm absolutely right. I mean, in that case, well, yeah, if you're right, you're right. But, like, in general, if you're not willing to listen to somebody, yeah, either you're just impatient or you don't actually believe what you're saying. You just want to. And that that can be really dangerous really fast. And so I think, like, if we're going to have this as a gathering place, and if you want to have some sort of hierarchy to it, which is a whole other conversation, <laughs> then I think, oh, yeah, you know, let, let concerns be addressed. Now, don't say anything that's just, you know, like, why are you having that conversation? Like, can Christians do X when it's like, you know, there are far better resources than yeah. just asking an elder. Like, there are huge articles on many subjects. But I think, yeah, I think discussion should be encouraged because oftentimes leaders can be very wrong. 
And uh, it's not a shame for people who aren't leaders to have questions. Like, that is a good thing. Mm. Questioning is from God. Questioning is so from God. The problem is, is where questioning becomes really biased. Mm. And uh, at that point, it's and like... It's, it's, and, it, and when it comes to a place where it's not genuine, it's, it's just like, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Which we have a lot of that in the world right now in general. Yeah. And people are going to disagree. And if you're set on something and you're not convinced by somebody who thinks they're right, that's fine. Just sit to yourself and do what you think is best. Like, not not in a way where it's like, oh, I think, I think, you know, it's perfectly fine for me to be a prostitute. <laughs> like, okay, at that point, you're just being ridiculous. But, in you know. Another life, Logan, in another life. No, no <laughs> way. Not even in eight other lives. <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? Like, there's there's always a balance. Like, one of my buddies has told me, he's like, oftentimes when there are huge disagreements on something, it's usually somewhere in the middle and leaning a little bit to one side. Mm. And I think that's just so important. Like, pretty crucial. Yeah. Even with conversations like this. Any last nuggets, Logan, handcuff? Oh, man. Ham chop. Ham chop. <laughs> yeah, I would say... Yeah, I'll finish on this. If you haven't read much of the Old Testament, obviously, just dive in. But if you're confused when we have talked about the Jew-Gentile relationship, if you have no idea what what that could possibly mean, first resource I would point to you is read Romans 10, 11, and 12. Paul really just breaks it down for you. And um, if you're just extra confused even after that, Frontier Lines International has done a great job um, with literally almost everything that they've touched, <laughs> in my opinion. Like, yeah. you know, they're not perfect. They're like any other ministry. They, Some of the things they've said can be wrong sometimes. But if you want a good resource that will, like, offer some ideas that you haven't heard before, fantastic. Dive into that. Um, but, yeah. Biblical ideas. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Dude. Well, thanks for coming on the show, brother. This was really fun um glad you're back in town come on that's sweet um i hope your girlfriend's watching this still she will i want to do some double she dates will. bro it's gonna I'm happen serious. hope's gonna come if there's back. anything i can do we're gonna make it happen bro i i know the thing is all we do all hope and i do is adventure yeah so that's what we like to do i mean that's half of what we do so oh you know what we should do hmm. just go to that uh sugar loaf mountain have you been there no, I've heard about it, and I've wanted to go for a while. I bet she'd be on board. Yeah. Let's get it going. Well, appreciate it, bro. Hope to have you on the show again soon. Let's do it. Um, hopefully, we'll be doing these a lot more, I think, when uh, school starts again. I'll be back in that chair that you're sitting in. That's right. And you'll probably be in that other one, and then we'll have Caleb here. So we'll be rocking these out. Come on. Um, yeah, please, uh, you know, if you want to follow us on the Instagrams, you can follow Bailey.Mullins. That's my main one, or Created.Curious. Also, if you're listening on audio, uh, look up Created Curious with Bailey Mullins on YouTube. That's when you'll get the live stream right away. Um, so, yeah. Thank you, guys, and Maranatha. Maranatha. <laughs> Later, brother.
Hey guys, if y'all are listening on the audio right now, please go over and subscribe to the YouTube channel. You will get all of the podcasts there instantly. So we live stream on the YouTube, and if you want to get the episodes as soon as possible, go over to Created Curious with Bailey Mullins on YouTube, and you'll have everything right there. You can also interact with us live during the show and comment. A lot of times we read those comments and we add that into the discussion. So thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you all have a great day.